This is the Parenting ADHD Podcast with Penny Williams. Each week, Penny shares proven ADHD parenting strategies and her hard-won ADHD mama wisdom. This is not your physician's podcast. Penny discusses the genuine grit of the moment-by-moment peaks and valleys of this special parenthood. It's time to beat the chaos and challenges of raising a child with ADHD. Here's your host, Penny Williams. Hello, parents. Welcome back to the Parenting ADHD podcast. I'm really excited today to be talking to Frank South, who is an adult with ADHD, also raising kids with ADHD. And I'm going to let him introduce himself to you. And then we're going to chat about raising kids with ADHD and being a parent yourself with ADHD. Thanks so much for joining me, Frank. Oh, I'm so glad to be here, Penny. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you have been up to in your life. You have some exciting stuff in your background and um, just give our our audience some information about you so they can get to know you a little bit. Okay. Um, well, thank you. I, um, I started off um, as a... Uh, off, you know, it was an off-Broadway playwright, and then uh, I worked in television for 15 years as a producer and writer of uh, TV shows, all sorts of TV shows, um, like Melrose yeah. Place was a big one and all that. Yeah. Um, during that time, you know, uh, um, Margaret is the first woman, uh, first person who hired me, and we got uh, married. Well, that's um, interesting. Yeah, she was my uh, boss on my first TV job. That's funny. And, yeah, she, uh, um, we had known each other before, and she was in New York looking for writers. We got together, and she said, "Well, are you ready to drop everything here and uh, work on this show, this little HBO show? And I said, sure. So we've been married for 33 years, something like that. And, wow. And... It's during that time we've we have two adolescent had. Well, I say adolescent only because I, I just finished um, putting together this book because um, mm-hmm. about nine years ago or so I, I started just dealing with being an, a parent uh, with ADHD and raising two ADHD kids. Um, our kids were uh, both uh, adopted at birth, but. And in the end, that doesn't make any difference, you know. Um, it's all yeah. it's all the same. Um, there, it's it's unusual because uh, my daughter and I are very similar. And my son is um, not. He he's um, also he's ADHD non hyperactive, and my daughter right. is ADHD like me. And my son is uh, has. A um, audio processing uh, disorder, but that's all. What that really does for him is it makes things kind of as he settled as he's has settled into his life. He's um, a quieter, kind of more thoughtful person. So things don't get to him. Whether interesting, uh, you know, he has that thing. Uh, he would always say, "Dad, um, chill." <laughs> <laughs> right, and. Uh, because I never do, and uh, my daughter is much like me. Uh, um, more so, intense. But more intense, 
really close to the uh, edge with um, her temper and stuff that she's always working on and takes things uh, way to heart, as yeah. I do. And um, But although we are very similar, there were times when she would just get sick of my in moments of crisis, which I'll go on, I'll talk about later, but she would say, Dad, I know, I know, you had ADHD, you have ADHD, I know, you didn't go to college, I know all that. You know, it, it doesn't, that doesn't help right now. You know, right. You're not a girl, you don't get it. And so, you oh, no. we were very f- fortunate as parents, uh, and or they were fortunate as kids, I'm not sure which, that their mom is... Um, non-ADHD, neurotypical, and a more um, practical and uh, direct person uh, than her flighty father. So we, we've ended up with a very nice balance, a, a united front, but a, a nice balance in that we can, over time, we, it took some time to figure out how we could um, be best, and luckily it all, as parents, right. luckily it sort of came together. Um, so she's the they, frontal lobe of the family, Margaret. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I and, know what uh, that's like. Uh, yeah, you you are the frontal <laughs> lobe of your family. I am, I yeah. am. So it's, it's a funny thing, though. I um, learned so much from... Uh, from Margaret, and I think she for me a little bit. It, mostly, it's it's um, finding how you know I can make things easier for her, and she for me, and right. work with our each other's strengths and weaknesses. But for the kids, it all sort of came together for us. I got my stuff together just in time for their adolescence. Right. <laughs> you know, there was, I was, you know, during when they were younger, I was, uh, you know, all the TV stuff sort of basically um, came to an end and I was home uh, more and we were in Hawaii and away from Los Angeles and away from everything uh, right. that, and we were struggling financially, which really can bring a family together, surprisingly. Yeah. I know it can tear, tear some families apart, but for us, it was, you know, all hands on deck, the two of us, and we started doing things that counted for us, uh, that were important to us, um, and sort of gave up all the exterior trappings, and we were helping other kids. We worked and the Palama settlement there for adjudicated teens. And as I was listening to them tell their stories, you know, I started, it all came together so that we could start listening to our kids more. And yeah. And it, um, I remember my daughter was in um, grade school to through um, junior high. Uh, living there and my son was um you know junior high through uh high school living there and so it was right at the, sort of a sweet spot you know in terms of being present 
I'm, right, my, yeah. My uh, son came in and said, gosh, you're around more. <laughs> and it's really great, you know. <laughs> He's, uh, well, it's good. He thought it was great. He, it is good. Yes. And uh, also I got sober about that time. So everything sort of came into a good um, place. But I, I, it was a very uh, starting somewhere about that time that I started writing for Attitude Magazine. Mm -hmm. I started, I also wrote a, a play, uh, a one-man play about um, my time as an undiagnosed and, and finally diagnosed ADHD alcoholic, uh, um, you know, plus hypomanic and everything else. I remember that. Yeah, it, it, and so I, I did that show, and that led to me doing these. Uh, Annie Rogers was kind enough to to think that I could write for the magazine, so I started writing regularly. And so it's been what about eight years of nine years about writing about ADHD, but then eight years of writing for the magazine, and I took all those together at Margaret's insistence, the frontal lobe telling mm -hmm. the lunatic what to do. Organizing. Yes, organizing the mm -hmm. thing. That's the book. Otherwise, you're, it's all lost. It just goes off in the ether. Never, no one remembers it. It has to be a book. And I didn't want to do it. We argued for a few months. And then I... <laughs> <laughs> then you acquiesced. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, you know, I, I do finally always give in to her notes or her suggestions. Um, Smart man. Yeah. You have, to, <laughs> you have to realize who's really got the brains in the outfit. So, Aww. and she, she uh, did a, I pulled all these, uh, it was like a, it was a big ton of paper and she yep. sat on the kitchen table and went through them bit by bit. And we, I think we caught one or two. And then she made some notes and said, you just have a bunch of re-editing and some rewriting. I know you, you're never going to leave it alone. So just go through and make it, uh, you have to make it one piece. As it turns out, she um, herself had some things to battle with, which um, we had gone, I write about that in the book, but we had... During this time, we moved to Georgia, and mm -hmm. uh, because the family needed us, um, her sister died of ALS. Um, she took over her sister's job in a teaching in a, um, a school in Macon. Um, yeah. And all these different things happened. At the time, this last year, she it all sort of came a, came a calling. And she, she, we knew that she had problems with depression, but it really hit hard. And so this last year, we sort of uh, did some cocooning. I wrote, I worked on the book, um, and Coco um, sort of went through her last spurt at trying uh, college. Your daughter. Mm -hmm. My daughter. And she's, she's still lives at home. She's 20, this is 18, so she'll be 23 this coming 
uh, fall. So she's 22, lives yeah. at home, and is a great roommate. And uh, she, <laughs> <laughs> she has, yeah, and she's uh, so she takes care of the kitchen. Um, and nice. Margaret does laundry, and I vacuum and do that OCD straightening things and and doing the yard. So it all in terms of chores, we're all together. Harry moved back to Hawaii and uh, works. He also dropped out of junior college, but he has a job working in a phone store doing what he loves, repairing phones. He's a tech, too, and loves it. That's what's important, finding something that they love. Exactly. And, you know, Coco, as she said to me, and it sounded like I was talking to myself as a a 20-something, because she turned to me, and I'm – you know, I, I did not graduate college. I Margaret graduated, you know, magna cum laude at, up in Ithaca, at Ithaca College. I mean, I uh, dropped out of the University of Missouri twice. Uh, you know, I just, yeah. uh, it's me. And so I'm yelling. I'm, I'm not yelling. I mean, I'm speaking uh, forcefully uh, right. out of concern. I'm, I'm, I'm. Uh, imitating my uh, father, uh, um, which also ha- is another thing that happened during this time uh, when we moved to Georgia. You know, my dad died. Yeah. And, uh, these things that were happening, but I kept track of it. And writing these stories has, uh, as it turned out, I didn't know, but in, in rewriting and putting them all together in this book, um, help me see the the whole uh, of 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 the basic good in, in in life in general, but also in awesome. in in the value of your of your family, what they contribute to you and you to them. It's this constant yeah. interaction. Whether you, I think whether you have um, um, mental health issues or don't, because th- this this last year, Margaret was. Uh, we were at the. We have a lovely place nearby here, Wellston Behavioral, where they have shrinks and stuff. And we're like a whole, the three of us, you know, we just right. always go over there. The family <laughs> fair, yeah. Family fair, and uh, I know many families can relate to that. Yeah, it's, but it's, you need the help, you get it, and then you yeah. go off. You're, there's a way to handle things, and um, or to help you handle things, really, and. But when Margaret had her trouble this last year, and she's pulled out now, but it was a year of realizing, you know what? In my in my head, I was always the the nut and the uh, who needed to be pulled in, and uh, you know, it, it was a com- in a way. There's a comfortable comfort in that, you know. Yeah. Hey, I'm I'm crazy. I can't help it. Uh, but when you're the crazy one and the person who's tasked with the enormous job of keeping everybody sane mm-hmm. and falls under the stress. I mean, it was like, you know, like on the battlefield and then the, the, the captain takes a, or the general takes a hit and you're going, holy shit, I'm not the only one out here yeah. fighting. And uh, so it took a year. So during that year, I wrote the book, rewrote this book, and made all these stories a book. 
and would take it up to Margaret sometimes, who's on in bed. And we went to the shrink room uh, once a week a lot of times. Or she went, and I drove and waited in the waiting room. And we come back, and she, you know, went through a bunch of different meds and stuff, and she came out okay. Yeah, but it's a great. long, hard battle. Uh, yeah. You know, it's a whole year. But she, she did great, but it changed the focus in my head. You know, here's somebody who just without, you know, always just stood up and did what was necessary for other people in her family and of origin and her family here. And it just, uh, you know, finally, you know, Atlas can't hold up the world forever. Yeah. Uh, she's, she's good uh, now. And uh, well, she was then as far as I'm concerned. So I would take these things up to her where she's lying there going, working on her positivity, you know, and she'd yeah. go to yoke and then she would <laughs> come back and then she would uh, worry about sleeping too much. All this went on, but I would take her pages. She would read them. She'd make a note of stuff. And the book kept going. I focused on her. The yard went to hell. <laughs> and just now. Pick your battles. Pick your battles. But you know, yeah. as a, a family, uh, you know, you realize we're all, we're all got our, our hands out there to, uh, to help one another. And, and our son calls from Hawaii all the time. We hear from him twice a week. Um, That's great. And he's, you know, so, used, some of his calls I, I, I would fly off the handle because he was wondering why he has an infection in his arm. And it's because his friend was trying out his new tattoo thing on him <laughs> and I was like what and Margaret had to take the phone from me but this was you know a couple of years ago and now he's really uh, settled and then uh, and now he calls uh, his recent thing is he wants to build a computer for his sister so that they can play Minecraft together oh that's nice yeah so there's yeah. there's you know finally we all, as parents, I think, we want things for our kids. And as mm -hmm. they told me, you know, you, you, when I would get on them about their education, I said, we know, Dad, that you were not so good in school. And even Grandma says, you know, that you were really, she's very, you were very bright, but you just couldn't handle school. Yeah. I said, yeah, I know. I know what she says, and it's true. But you are not me, and this world is different. And I'm worried about you. This and this and this. What it comes down to is that my whole learning uh, arc, I think, is learning how to listen and be of help, rather than to put my my ideas about how they should live first. Yeah. Plus them first yeah we talk a lot about that on this podcast about changing your expectations based on who your child is and what their strengths and weaknesses are and not just leaning on societal expectations or even the expectations of us when we were kids and right. it's really powerful and transformative to say 
you know, college might not be right for my child. And, Mm -hmm. you know, my kid might not be a lawyer or a doctor or even a teacher, but it's Mm -hmm. okay as long as they're, they're doing okay in the world and they're happy. Right. And and if the, you know, if you're, children i mean we step back sometimes from our own expectations and you know i would say to them yeah but i was lucky you know i got lucky that's why i got to be you know have my 15 minutes and i got you know to do some fancy stuff but yeah but but harry said no dad it's not that you were lucky you always isn't do you used to say you used to say do what you want to do do what makes you happy that's what you did yeah. and you know it's funny hearing the words come back to you yeah i bet <laughs> when you're like trying to steer it the other way yeah and uh and i finally we finally both i think started to you know give them some room and be there to help and just there's when a kid has ADHD and or other any uh, name it LD you know uh, mm-hmm. dyslexia or whatever because Coco had severe dyslexia uh, we, um, that she had to really work at uh, um, to be able to read yeah. along with the ADHD and everything else so they have all those challenges anyway they have people all the time telling them they're making mistakes or they're wrong or they don't know and what's wrong with them and you know all the times you go to the school and have the meetings and there's a lot of well-intentioned good people and and very smart uh folks who who help because they're still in a uh a social world that's highly judgmental and tough. Yes. And so I finally learned that um, we, uh, we're there to listen, support, and help them find, solve problems and not to bring more outside judgments and, and, and goals that we, we put on them, you know. And I love that. You know, they they end up, what is the most important thing? What do you want from your children finally? Besides, you know, take care of you when you're old. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Take care of themselves. Take care of themselves. Be happy. Be happy and also be kind. Be empathetic. Yes. Open heart. And we're blessed there. You know, our kids took that uh, and are that. And... She's now working, Coco now works um, at, a, at Dollar Tree, which, you know, it's a dollar store, mm-hmm. and she loves retail. And she says, you know what's so funny is that I keep my whole area, and I work at the store to keep it all neat and orderly and everything. And I said, you? Because her room <laughs> right. still is like a disaster. And she said, but Dad, I will do my art. Don't worry about that. But remember how you worked in restaurants and you still did your writing and your art and performing and I said yeah yeah but Coco it was really hard and it was a tough life and I don't know if you she said I can do that just let me find my way and I said okay okay 
Awesome. And, you know, she, she's, she says, I don't know why I'm so neat and orderly at work and not at home, but mom's helping me. And, you know, it's still the, because Margaret cannot stand, uh, you know, clutter. She's the, the queen of throwing stuff out. Me too. So, yeah. And it's like, you know, we can't, what do you need this stuff for? And uh, I'm more of the surface order, you know? So drawers are really friends of mine. Yeah. <laughs> I everything in the drawer to close it up. Like, stuff it in. Stuff it in. And unfortunately, like right now, it's tax time. Uh-oh. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, but there's the kids that the kid, if you can provide that for your kids, a place where they're safe. And I remember with all the conflict I had with my late father, one of the things, because he was, such, he was a, you know, academically, of course, superstar. My, you know, he's a scientist. My mother's a poet. They were, you know. What a pair. Uh, what a pair, exactly. And he would say, but he was a, you know, he, his father died when he was five. So, mm. And his mom worked as a buyer for department stores. And he'd travel all around and, as a little kid with her and she wasn't the best mom in the world, but she was, you know, she loved him. Then. Uh, but so he, he was trying out being a father with me a lot, you know, uh, <laughs> with both of them. But he finally boiled it down to, look, the world is very, very hard. Now, World War II vet, I, I, even as a kid, I figured, well, you know, he had to fight Germans. Right. <laughs> you know, He's really seen it. Please see it, yeah. But he was talking about society, you know, and judgments. And he said, but your family will always love you. And they, we are on your side always, blah, blah, blah. And that's something that came back to me, what I was told and what I experienced. Yeah. Um, even as sometimes... Not there he was, you know, he was very busy. Uh, but my mom, uh, you know, and I was not easy. It was horrible. I look at my childhood and compare it to these, to my two kids, and they're angels in comparison. Oh, no. I, I just, I've I, read some of your stories about your kids, so that says a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I still to this day consider cops my friends because they were part of my life. No, no. <laughs> they were always bringing me home and saying, well, he was in this construction site. We had to pull him out of this slough, you know. And oh, no. he, uh, he's, uh, I think it was an accident, but he set fire to this field by, a, you know, a, or one thing after another um, in, into adulthood. But they, my mom, um, and, you know, and all the lying and whatnot, but my mom uh, was stressed by it. She wrote the Dr. Spock. She tried this. She tried that. But because there wasn't any medical help for me, really, my, my mm. brother had an accident and had to relearn to speak and all that when he was young and, mm. and so that was the focus really yeah. and really there was 
behavioral, no one knew anything then, back in the 50s and 60s. Yeah, they um, made a lot of assumptions and didn't really realize, I don't think, as much as we oh, do now that it was physiological or is physiological. Right. Yeah. Right. And, you know, it was basically, he's a bright kid, but he doesn't try. Um, and he's disruptive. Right. And that was true. Although I was trying, but they didn't. That. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, I, I talk a lot about with parents that our kids are trying way harder, kids with ADHD or learning disabilities, than most people recognize or give them credit for. Um, my son has had a few breakdowns along that those lines over the years, you know, coming in from school and crying and saying, nobody understands how hard I try. They just keep telling me to try harder. You know, that's a funny thing, because I had that when... when Coco was main mainstreamed when we moved to Georgia. Mm-hmm. They were much faster in mainstreaming than uh, in Hawaii, which is good because she she began to hate uh, sped uh, special ed for her. Yeah. Uh, was so disruptive she couldn't think, you know. Uh, and she we homeschooled her again uh, late, you know, in uh, her eighth grade year for half a year before we moved. But when we got here, it was. She came home in tears saying, I try so hard and um, I'm only and I only get the the grades that the kids who don't try at all get. And why right. is that? And that's no mm. fair and blah, blah, blah. And she said, but dad, you've been around a long time. So, you know, it, tell me it does get better, right? Well, <laughs> <laughs> it it you get used. I mean, you don't have to work as hard later. And I said, "Well, you get used to working harder. That's all." And I said, "I wish I could tell you. I really do. I really wish I could say, don't worry, it'll all click in.' It doesn't ever really. But you learn how. You learn there's tools and things you can do, and you have to go ahead and ask for the extra time on your tests that you serve, and et cetera, et cetera. But I said. You know, retention, it's going to be a battle your whole life. You know, I said, there are benefits. So what, what? I said, well, I can read a book and three months later, read the same book. <laughs> and I have just as much fun because it's like brand new to me. Yeah. So that's no help. I can do that. But <laughs> mine's just age, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is, a, it is a funny thing where you just... And I told her, as you get older, what happens is that all, all of these things that are, as you first aware, when you're first aware in junior high and high school, of your difference and all that, you you think I'll never, I'll never, uh, I'll never find a way to be in this world. To to to, and I said the funny thing is. That awareness is your friend. It's painful now, but it'll help you as you con- you will work and find um, uh, ways to to deal. Um, I forget the term. Um, there's a uh, the term for your the, the things you do, uh, the the um, coping coping strategy. Yeah, yeah, coping mechanisms that you get in your head, and they become automatic after a while. And, yeah. Uh, and then you learn as you discover what 
you love to do. And once you love to do, you know, she somewhere in uh, seventh, eighth grade, seventh grade, something, she first discovered this hyper-focus thing. Mm -hmm. And she got this whole report done that she'd forgotten about in one night. I said, yeah, that works once in a while. But it also is what you're, it's also what you're fighting, you know, because yeah. you get caught up in something and you forget everything else. Yeah. It's, and so you, you'll find the, you know, it comes to the point where you, you become proud of what you are and how you see things and what you do and how you do things. Um, kind of accept we, yourself. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, she and I became huge fans of the X, X-Men series because it's about mutants. Right. And we saw this one where they were all uh, young mutants and they were at the school and, and it's all the characters, but they're all, uh, uh, really young. And I think it's the Jennifer Lawrence character, whatever, the, the one who turns orange or blue, rather, and or something. Anyway... At the end of this one movie, she says, mutants unite. And we both burst out laughing. <laughs> and, and we're looking at each other. And it became a kind of a password you know, between us, you know. When things were tough, you would just say, mutants unite. Yeah. Because you accept your difference and say, it's always going to be there. And it'll be trouble, but it's also it also has great benefits because as I told her in high school, so you're going to find wherever you go or whatever you decide to do that means something really to you, that you have insights and jumps. You'll make intuitive jumps that other people look at you and go, what? It's because your wiring jumps around the way it does. Yeah. And you will put things together that surprise you. So, you it's know. an interesting insight. Yeah, it's just it's just how we're, we're we're wired, and once you find what you're you can do with it, it's it's really um, you're you're able to handle it because it's not always a negative. You're not yeah, always like fighting it. We have conversations all the time about the fact that everybody has weaknesses. You know, you might have ADHD and dyslexia, whatever it might be, and a neurotypical person might seem like they don't have any problems, but they right. just have different stuff. You know, we all have our stuff and our baggage and right. the things we have to work around. And um, I think sometimes that conversation helps, too, with our kids um, in that, yeah. you know, that conversation about coping mechanisms and using the differences that you have in a positive way. Yes, exactly. And I, you know, if I hadn't, I, I have to tell you my, this recent book that I finished and the work I did have done and continue to do sporadically much to the editor's impatience mm -hmm. for the magazine <laughs> um, has been, because of, you know, because of the discoveries and of my own personal stuff and dealing with it, I've done the best writing of my uh, life. Not since I was writing one act of and on off Broadway or something, and was first writing from the heart. 
I've discovered that this is something I can do unashamedly, you know, and mm -hmm. that I can, I can, and working with it makes me understand others and myself better. And I think it's my best writing ever. And I think, how lucky is that? You know, it does, you don't, I'm real fortunate is that I, you know, were able to live on a pension due to all the writing I did as a Hollywood person. But right. this, this is really something that I can end up being uh, pretty pr proud of. And um, it feeds your soul. Yeah. And yeah. Um, uh, so that's, you know, it's the 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 title of the books get it out of the way it comes from this thing with my son, and this is about it issues. It's called a, a chicken in the wind and how we grew. Um, uh, stories from the ADHD dad, and there are two parts of that title. A chicken in the wind came from when Harry was little, he was about five, and we. I, we, was, we were really excited. We had a, a um, recording, you know, a tape or whatever it was, um, of of a of um, a wizard, of, the Wizard of Oz. Right. And oh, this was gonna be, he's gonna love this. Oh my God! So, the movie starts and it's got you know it's all the black and white and stuff and the the tornado. He's mm -hmm. in trance. He's completely in it. Oh my God. Mm. He's just, and occasionally he would just glance over his shoulder at me going, oh. And then the chickens mm -hmm. are flying. Then she lands and the door opens to this Technicolor world of the Munchkins. And about three minutes into that, he gets up and walks away. <laughs> <laughs> and we turn it off and go in to see him. And they should say, oh, uh, so we decided to have some ice cream and talk about it. And he said, no, no, I liked, I liked, I liked, I liked the beginning. I liked the beginning a lot, and I liked the, I liked the chicken, the chickens in the wind. <laughs> I liked the chickens in the wind, and uh, I, he said, but then I didn't like the other parts with the, with the, the munchkins. I don't know. That's so and funny. And uh, later, I was thinking about it, and I thought, you know, me too. It's like the the chicken, the black and white part of that movie and the chickens flying and that all the confusion of the tornado that's real life yeah the chaos the and intensity chaos and intensity but yeah. you know uh all the technicolor who just seems made up and so that's true I, I remember, yeah and i remember we remember it's always something we pass back and forth chickens in the wind as a phrase around the house sometimes and my mother's favorite book growing up was Five Little Peppers and How They Grew. And uh, she had gave me her copy from when she was a kid. I still have. And I looked back at that book and I thought, wow. And she had a very tough childhood, but she kept this book with her all the time. And so that's how the title came. Um, because it, it resonated for me. Because growth yeah. is the whole deal. And so it became uh, Chicken in the Wind and How We Grew, stories from an ADHD dad. And it, it you know, I'm, I'm sure if 
had been a regular publisher, that would have been, this title doesn't work. But uh, luckily, I didn't have to worry about that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, I think often when you have mystery in the title, people are more likely to to pick it up. Well, let's hope so. And I I, so. At least it's sincere, you know? The title is yeah. exactly what it is and what I am. You want to read it and know why in the world there's a chicken in the wind. What is that? You know, you think is that an <laughs> yeah. analogy? What? You know, yeah. I think it's it's intriguing. Um, yeah, my first book, I did the same thing. I sat down. I had, you know, a couple, mm, three or four years probably worth of blog posts. And mm -hmm. it was really our story and um, did the same thing, sat down with it, tried to piece it together in a way that made sense. And um, it was... It was, again, rewarding, just as you were describing. It was kind of cathartic because now here I was in the future looking back and saying, okay, I really was going to be, you know, we, we are okay. When at the beginning, which is that book is like the first few years, it was, it didn't feel like we were going to be okay. You know, yeah. so it was really fascinating to look back at that. Um and when my son was diagnosed is about the time you started writing your blog for Attitude and these mm -hmm. stories about Harry and Coco. And I read them every time there was a new one. And I thought, OK, it's not just me. Like <laughs> there are other families in chaos and, you know, yeah. they're teens because my son was elementary age at that point. And, right. um, you know, it's it's always a struggle. But there there were always happy moments or good lessons or things like that in your stories. And it kind of helped me to keep pushing on and keep moving forward, you know? And so I always yeah. really appreciated, and I, I totally appreciate when people tell their personal stories. I think that they're so impactful and powerful. And, um, you know, I yeah. think that especially when we're struggling, that's what we latch onto is what, other people are sharing and it's vulnerable to be that yeah. open about things. And I have always been so grateful to you for really being very open about your own struggles and your parenting and your kids struggles. And, you know, I learned a great deal from it and I'm sure a lot of other people have too. And, um, you know, we just need to break the cycle of shame. The more we talk about it, the better yeah, it gets for so everyone. Right. I think the cycle of shame is really the, the, the really one of the most important things yeah. is that you, you, if we get past that thing of people feeling like they, they have to deny it because it speaks badly of their children or their own ability as parents. Right. And it doesn't. It's just a challenge. And, and it's a challenge that you're up to. Once you accept it and move on it, you know, and and open your, open yourself to your kids. It's your it's a fortunate way because I, I know some people who live through parenting of sort of benign neglect. Uh, you know, um, mm -hmm. you're there, you live in the same house, you know, but you just learn to be invisible. Um, in a way, that's how Margaret um, grew up. She was, you know, the oldest of five, and 
she, but she, you know, helped raise her brothers and sisters. But you know, there, mm -hmm. there's um, when when you have LD kids and stuff, they need you. You need them, mm -hmm. and it's out there. And I talk sometimes to my uh, the, the psychologist of the two people I see. Um, he says, I, I have people with great educations, a guy who's a, um, surgeon and a, who still doesn't accept, you know, his wife's and his, uh, kids ADHD. And I have him here all the time. He's a medical doctor. You know, he's yeah. trying to find a way that it doesn't, ha it's not true. And. So the shame, like you said, is, is it's just misplaced. And it's just, yes. it's just, uh, it puts too much emphasis on the outside world. And the inside world is all that counts, really, because in the end, you know, who cares what people think? I mean, I love that. Uh, shoot, you move around enough places or even uh, around enough neighborhoods in the same place. Right. You see that everybody's uh, got judgments, but who uh, who cares? It doesn't have any doesn't have any basis on your life, really. And what was the name of your first book, by the way? You said "Boy uh, Without Instructions." That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I've been trying to um, come up with titles that great ever since, and it's a real <laughs> challenge. <laughs> Like I had one really good one and now, you know, that's why I love a chicken in the wind and how he grew. I think it's, you know, it's so telling and it draws you in to want to hear the story, you know? Well, I, I, I liked that. I remember it was, it was about, because, um, you know, the idea of, that you can find something for instructions. Oh, here's how I deal with it. You know, and there are, it's yeah. really hard. Yeah. When he was diagnosed, there was nothing. And I kept thinking, you know, there's parenting books for infants and toddlers and this and that, and there's yeah. nothing for ADHD. So yeah, I had to change and that, but it, <laughs> it was it. hard. It was really hard to not have that kind of support, you know, so many parents get a diagnosis and they have no idea what to do. They don't understand ADHD. They don't really understand medication because we believe, you know, the court of public opinion on that. And, and yeah. you just lost, you don't know any other parents who have kids with these struggles because most parents aren't talking about it if they do have them. Mm -hmm. And so you're just kind of, you know, floating around and not knowing how to pick a direction that that works and right. so it's yeah it's hard and that's what it felt like I felt like I just had no instructions whatsoever and it's not intuitive you know parenting yeah. when they're born is kind of intuitive you know you know mm -hmm. you the basics them. yeah you feed them and keep them clean right <laughs> and then you get this other thing added to it that you don't know anything about you know I right. guess as an adult with ADHD it might equip you a little better um, because you've been in similar situations you've had similar feelings um, mm -hmm. 
But for me, and being very neurotypical, very type A, very organized, you know, my son is the total opposite in it. And I just didn't know what to do with it. And, and I needed somebody to kind of point me in the right direction. And I wasn't finding it, I had to scrape it up and figure it out on my own. And it took a long time, you know, it was two or three years before I really started to see those basic parenting skills that are necessary for kids with challenges. And they're totally different than what the guidebooks say. They're totally different than what we grow up learning about parenting, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, yeah, I think the more we share our stories, the better. Yeah. Because, you know, if you go to, you know, you find yourself in some situation at a school where you go in and there's always well, early on, there's less now, but early on, there's those people looking at you with a kind of a half frown saying, well, perhaps, you know, if you at your home, if you had a more structure, they mm-hmm. would learn structure. Mm-hmm. And you think, oh, take a break, why don't you? You know, yeah. I, I, structure, you know, <laughs> it's like a, it just gets blown up. And I, you, even as an ADHD uh person you know mine was so different than my son's by the time he was diagnosed by the time he was diagnosed I hadn't been and that was when uh you know shortly after his diagnosis and you know we had all the hints picking him up from his preschool all the other kids are running in a boys are running in a pack with sticks and the girls are uh being sort of an organized social thing on another part, you know? Mm-hmm. And oh, where's my son? Where, where did he go? Oh, he's over there. He's up in his tree. <laughs> his own his world. Tree, his tree. Oh, yeah, he, he likes it up there. He doesn't like the sticks thing. And I said, oh, my yeah. God. And then I thought, oh, this, uh, you go through developmentally disabled, all these different things. And then... He got his diagnosis, and you know, it wasn't short. It was shortly thereafter that I got mine. Thinking all the time that I was not. I, this was just me covering bases. You know, I'm not ADHD. Right. You know, but um, I I was, and <laughs> and then. But I did give me, you know, everything. It made me aware of how I had to learn patience, because one of the things about the way I'm built is patience isn't really a big thing. Right. Um, and I have a temper, and like that. So boy, did I have to retrain. And then with Coco, even with the dyslexia and everything, Margaret was going around. And complete denial. Well, at least she doesn't have ADHD. Because <laughs> <laughs> she was like, please, 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 please. Right. No, no. Not another and one. Not another one. I'm outnumbered. And oh, no. when she was diagnosed, it was like, you know, Harry had his auditory processing thing, but his ADHD was pretty low level, you know. But hers was like, oh, look, dad has a twin. Right. <laughs> and, uh, uh, it was very familiar. Yeah, very familiar. And I learned, um, I learned about 
stuff from her about honesty, about honest, being honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, as she got to a certain age and she was able to, you know, after she'd been with me, uh, you know, I mean, she became, you know, cognizant of the world and her, and her parent world. It wasn't too long after that that she was she would let me know how my behavior, <laughs> what she was right. picking up, <laughs> yeah, and and you know it's that thing of it's not so much teach your children well as shut up and listen. Yes, and yes. Uh, they will teach you how to teach them. Yeah, what they need, and that I think is as a parent. The thing I've learned over and over and over again. Yes, listen to what they need. Listen to what they need, supply it, and help them get where they want to get comfortably. You know, of course, yeah, of course they're going to make huge, monstrous mistakes. And uh, and who doesn't at some point? Yeah. You know, I've had that yeah, conversation exactly. with my own son when he's beating himself up about you know, lying or different things that we've been struggling with. And I say, you know, I did a lot of things I'm not proud of when I was growing up too. And we all do it. I don't have ADHD. Right. And I certainly made some bad decisions. You yeah. know, everybody does. It's part of being a teenager. It's part of growing up. Yeah. And yeah, now that he's 15 and in high school, we seem to have that conversation a lot. Yeah. <laughs> we all yeah. struggle just in different ways. And we all do dumb things when we're teenagers and it will be okay yeah. later. Well, so our frontal lobes have not connected yet. For exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I... I, uh, I, again, I think if, if, uh, you know, we have some friends whose children have struggled with uh, drug addiction or this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when the first thing about medication started, all the negative stuff about medication, uh, which is still out there, mm-hmm. um, uh, They'd say, well, you're making your kids drug addicts, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, our kids, if anything, <laughs> they're, they're, I mean, my son is the designated sane person, you know, <laughs> in his group. And um, because he, when he turned 21, woohoo, he got drunk a bunch of times. And then he had this terrible, horrible, hot, forget about it, terrible party. And um, mm. he got... And then it all settled down, you know, and Coco, when she turned 21, she bought a bunch of those little bottles of stuff and then some sweet drink, this or that. That's all past. Yeah. Of us having a drunk dad, you know, got sober, but part of it's just there, you know, they're, I don't think they got it from us. I think it's in them already. Mm -hmm. We allow to be. Their, their, their natural state is they want to learn how to take all the strum and strong and still be a nice person. Yeah. Still to other people. They want that. You know, and that's so great. And so they, they, they get there if you give them a chance. And, um, you know, 
Growing up's a process. It is a process. Learning to parent kids with challenges is a process. You know, we all want to fix everything (laughs) right away and we want it to be perfect right away. And that's just not realistic. Perfection isn't realistic in the first place. But even, you know, you can't get from zero to 100 without some time in between. And Exactly. And you're going to probably only get to 88. But right. Still. And you're going to hit some speed bumps and, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're going to have to go around some hairpin turns and you know, <laughs> it's just the way it is. And I think, yeah, yeah I think we, we get on our own way a lot Yes. as parents. And that's, that's a big lesson is to be able to step back and let our kids make the mistakes them let them learn themselves because the lessons they learn themselves are much more impactful for them than the lectures that we try to provide. That's right. And I I just take, you know, um, having, you know, you take, sometimes you take lessons from your therapist sessions when you realize, Oh, how did I get to realize that? And it was like, because about the 18th time said, well, what, what's, what's your impulse? What do you feel like? How does that make you feel? What do you do about that? What do you think? And you're going, oh, yeah, maybe I should talk to my kids like this and it could be of help. Right. <laughs> and uh, also you learn more, you know, you learn how to be of, uh, of use. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I, there was one time in my early 20s uh, it was after I think it was after my uh, it was after my uh, two years doing alternative service during the Vietnam War I had Mm -hmm. uh, I went through this messed up time and or it might have been right before I forget at any rate I ended up at my parents' house with a uh, three-quarter empty bottle of scotch and screaming at them and crying on the front porch and yelling at them and blaming them for this, that, and the other. And um, they just said, come on in. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and they uh, took the bottle of scotch and gave me some water and put me to bed. And uh, They were your soft place to land. Yeah, yeah, and they didn't take it to heart. The thing is, we uh, because we're the we're going to be the place they try out a lot of stinko behavior, mm-hmm. and if we don't overreact, we're going to be fine. And just say no, don't be silly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let me let me, let me uh, tell you what I think, and uh, do what you want with it. And there's you don't. It's not really about forcing an issue, ever. Yeah. And uh, I learned that from the, all the cops <laughs> I ended up interacting <laughs> with. They were too on person, just as understanding as could be. I thought, huh? You know, they didn't. You know, even when I spent a a, a night in the Hooskow, they would just. Well, you're lucky you have parents who care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, I, again, we, we just have to be there for them and be their advocate. I and agree. Listen. And um, they'll be fine. And um, they'll learn to be, do the same for others. Yes. And they'll, they'll understand that everybody's 
God struggles. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're out of time. So I wanted to wrap up, but I really, really appreciate you sharing your stories um, as you've done for so long now, but also here on the Parenting ADHD podcast. I know that our audience has learned some great insights. I think just hearing the stories of kids who are doing okay that are older than our own kids is super helpful mm-hmm. too. I mean, I okay. that was a lot of what I got from your blog in the first place was, okay, there's kids out there that are struggling similarly and (laughs) and they're doing okay now. So we can, you know, we can do okay. (laughs) We're going to get there. And, and like you said, just be that place for your kids where they learn compassion and kindness and understanding by showing it to them. And so. Thank you. As as great, we were doing Penny and it's, you've never, they, you that the more you learn, the more you shared what you learned has is uh, a great example. And uh, that uh, that you continue to do this work, uh, we're all grateful for. Oh, thanks. I figured out it's my calling. I found <laughs> my purpose. Um, yeah. Not in the ways that we think, right? I went to college, nah. didn't find my purpose there. Went, you know. Yeah. <laughs> have done a lot of things and then when this landed in my lap I thought you know here's where I could really make a difference and this feels right and so that's why I do what I do just want to help um other families you know I hate to see kids struggle and families struggle so I just keep on keeping on don't stop yep So the show notes, we will link up your book, A Chicken in the Wind and How He Grew, Stories from an ADHD Dad. So listeners can go to parentingadhdandautism.com slash 031, and you will find all the show notes for this episode, as well as a link to Frank's book. And I encourage you to take a look at it, read it. You will learn things from it, but it's also entertaining. I always found your blog super entertaining um, and f- humorous. And, you know, it's it really draws you in because you're a great writer. And so um, I think that people will really get a lot out of the book and the stories that you share. And um, they can do that by visiting the show notes. So with that, I will conclude this episode of the Parenting ADHD podcast, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Parenting ADHD Podcast with Penny Williams. If you like what you just heard, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Visit the website, parentingadhdandautism.com for so much more on successfully raising kids with ADHD. Be sure to check out the podcast section as well for previous shows. Join us next time for more parenting strategies and insights that actually work for kids with ADHD.